Hey, this is Pastor David. Thanks for plugging in today. I believe that this word from God will encourage you, challenge you, and help direct you toward your destiny. A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said, that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and understanding, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get right into the word. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave his son for us, Jesus the Lord. Who can love us like he does? Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Daily Bread, back in the podcasting studio with my beautiful bride, Pastor Tanya. Good to see you alive. <laughs> Good to be feeling up and about and alive. Yeah, and her voice is kind of back. I mean, it's kind of there. It's, it's coming. It's com- It's on the way. We got enough to get you on the radio. It's in the mail, right? Like the check is in the mail. My voice is in the mail. Voice is in the mail. Sitting in the studio with my beautiful bride and our frecklefish, nameless frecklefish, If anybody has a name idea, we certainly would love to hear your suggestions. But we were talking about this message called This Little Light, and that's available on YouTube. You can find it in the description below. Uh, You can click on that if you haven't seen it yet. If you haven't, you need to get on and watch it. It was really good. And in your message, you talked about this word fervent. And this is a word I think that most people are familiar with, but not many of us use it in our day-to-day lingo. It doesn't has kind of fallen out of cool use. (laughs) Right. It's not in our vernacular as often as it should be anyway. So I looked it up. Webster lists fervent as an adjective that is displaying passion. But to pray fervently or to pray with fervor makes that word kind of take on a new life. Fervent is a verb. It's an action word. It stirs something. In the Bible, in the Greek, the word that they used is the word energio, to put forth, to put forth power. So fervent, it is an action word. Something happens when we pray. In your message, you said, and I'm not sure it's grammatically correct, but (laughs) it certainly makes the point. You said, we can only pray with fervor to the extent that we love. To which I understood that the passion of my prayers will only reach the depth of my love for the object of which I'm praying. Did I understand that correctly? Sure will change how you pray, won't it? Yeah, it really does change the whole feeling of prayer, the the desire of prayer, or even the, the point. And, and you know, it makes you really think, you know, when people say, oh, I'm praying for you. Are you though? Or if you say it to somebody... I'm praying for you. Well, buddy, now that you know what that means, you better. Or I'd better think twice about who I invite into that prayer circle with me. It has to go from a thought in your head to a movement in your heart because it's out of the heart, right? The overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. When that movement from your heart speaks, man, God runs the heavens. If it's my passionate prayer, my, my fervent prayer that is effectual, Right. So it's not your it's not your casual prayer. That's effectual. It's not your hopeful prayer. That's effectual. It's not your sad prayer. That's effectual. The Bible says that it's our fervent prayer. It's our passionate prayer. That's effectual. So if it's my passionate prayer, that's effectual, then it's paramount that I be invested in what I'm praying about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that really makes you think twice about the typical church model of prayer teams. 
and and prayer chains and call in lines and yeah I, I like that you said that too and like prayer chains like let's just send this mail off and and if if somebody doesn't have that in their heart to pray like what what's being done is, is it really a prayer to reach the heaven is it really an act of service to the lord or is it a checklist off my oh i feel like a good christian it really makes you inspect yourself. Interesting questions. And maybe we should do another episode about this particular topic. You know, I think it's always a good idea to ask why we do the things that we do mm-hmm. and how did they, how did it become this way? And uh, is it fruitful for us to continue doing this? It seems to me that, that Christians are really the only ones who like to ride dead horses. <laughs> and if something's not working, we should go back to figuring out why it's not working. Where where did we get off? How did we veer off of what the Bible said? Because if we do it the Bible way, it's going to work. And, and it just takes some work from us. I mean, if I get a, a prayer chain, I'm going to study that out. I'm going to look into it like, oh, you know, we're prayer chaining for so-and-so. I'm going to look into so-and-so's situation. I'm going to call them. I'm going to talk to them. Yeah, I, I'm going to get that in my heart before I pray. All in an effort to put yourself in a posture where you can be fervent. Exactly. Because it, you, everybody wants to have prayers that are effectual. Everybody wants to have prayers that bring results, prayers that prevail, prayers that work. And if you can't tap into ferventness, I don't even know if that's a word, <laughs> but if you can't tap into that, you're going to have a hard time seeing your prayers prevail. Right. So you got to get invested. Right. Would you share some ways with us that that we can be more invested, that we can be more passionate in our prayer life? It's not as much about building like fervor and, and energio in there as it is about building love because love is what's going to build the fervor. The fervor in your heart is going to feed off the love that's in there. So really it's about building that. And I think the first way that I would advise people is to humble yourself, mm. humble ourselves. Like when we're praying for people, you know, I, I've, I've heard it said, you know, when people are praying for somebody that like is doing something they don't agree with, oh, well, Lord, convict them, you know, rain fire on them. Right. Like humble yourself, Christian. Don't think that you're beyond the trap that they fell into or beyond any trap because, you know, we're all dealing with something so don't think you're you're beyond them. It's actually what we've been talking about on a on an unrelated subject uh, in in my series actually exactly. about judgment about looking to ourselves first. And I I hear and I'm understanding how it's relating to this topic as well. So we first need to humble ourselves and get under the wing of God. So this aspect of humility is really not fancying myself better off than somebody else or or in a better position. Than somebody else, even though you might actually be in a better position, the posture of humility says, I, I have been there or I could be there. And I need to allow my heart to reach out to this person on that level. Not in judgment, but in, hey, brother, let's come out of these trenches together. I'm here and I'm going to help pull you out. And I don't care if, you know, mud gets slung at me. I'm here for you. Because Jesus sent me. Yeah, no surprise that humble yourself makes the list. Humility is a principle that is just woven throughout all of our Christianity. And to take that posture of humility, if if I'm praying for somebody fervently, I may, you know, the Lord may lead me to lay on the ground or to just get on my face before him. I've got to be willing to do that on behalf of this person. I've got to humble myself and my high and mighty position 
and relinquish all of that and throw my crown before the feet of the Lord and say, Father, I'm here. Send me help. Help them. Help them. You talk about humility in a way that puts you in a power position. Most of us, when we, we think about humility, we think about laying low and becoming quiet and almost like we almost relate it to a, a weakness. But you're talking about humility as a power stance. It's a power stance only because we are putting ourselves in the presence of God and it's his power. And so as we are humble, he shines through us. Right. Paul said, I boast in my weakness because when I am weak, he is strong. Absolutely. After we've gotten ourselves humbled before the Lord, I would say to get to know people that we pray for personally. Get to know them personally and and let them know you. If I don't have it in me to pray passionately for somebody, what am I even doing? If I don't have the heart in me to pray passionately for a person, then I need to get to know them better. I need to get to know them more or or know the people that love them who's asking me to pray for them. You know, I need I need to get in in that heart space. It just throws everything I thought I knew about prayer chains and prayer groups. It just throws it all into this blender. All the things that I thought I knew about it, all of a sudden I'm like, hey, can I really be if somebody calls me up and says, there's a guy in some state and he's got this issue going on, it's going to take some serious maturity for me to be able to tap in to a sense of fervent prayer, to, to really feel compassion for this person and this situation in this other state, this other part of the world that I have no connection to outside of a friend saying, will you help me and pray for this friend? I have a very close friend who had asked me, pray for my mom. I don't, I don't know her mom other than the things she's told me, but I value and I love this friend. And I know how much my friend loves her mom. And so that was able to unlock something in me because I know how much my friend means to me and how much her mom means to her. And I know how much my mom means to me. And so when I can get in that heart and and relate with her and really stir the compassion in me, that's when the prayer became fervent for her mom. That's when the prayer had meat and potatoes to it. So if somebody says, hey, I know this guy who knows this guy who knows this guy who lives in this other part of the world and he needs a job. Will you pray for that guy? Right. What connection does he have? Like I can I can throw up the, hey, Lord, help such and such. Help this guy find a job. But where is, is my heart in that? Like, and, and where's the connection and, and where's, the, where's the family in it? It's not that I shouldn't pray for those individuals, but that's going to take extra work on my part. That's going to take mm-hmm. effort on my part to actually put myself in that scenario and go, what was it like when I needed a job? What was it like when I couldn't pay my bills? And really take that position of prayer rather than this guy that you don't know, that you don't know, that you don't know, you know, three three parties removed. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult to pray for that specific person because you don't have the family, you don't really have that relationship, but it's ended up in your court. You do have the responsibility to pray for this person and the burden to pray for this person, but you don't want to waste your breath you want your prayer to be effectual. You yes. want you want it to matter. You want it to count. You don't want to be just like, well, I agree with those guys, God. Like, give them a job. Exactly. A half-hearted prayer. Yeah, you got to find that point of passion. you got to find that point where you can relate to what's going on with that person in order to really 
connect. That's what I hear when you say get to know the people we pray for personally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in cases when that's just not possible, like the example that I gave, it really does call us to a higher point of maturity that we can actually create those ties. Right. I like how you put it, like the ball's in my court. Like, what am I going to do with it? Because I got the ball. I got to play. What's my play going to be? And so here are some ways that we can build fervor into our prayer life, knowing that the ball is in our court. We humble ourselves. We get to know people we pray for personally and let ourselves be known, or we personally involve ourselves in that situation so that we can be moved with compassion. And I would say next, know and believe scripture. Because let's face it, when we pray, praying, it's battle. When we pray to the Lord, we are inciting war with hell. And we better be armed. We need to have ammo. We need to have something that we can stand on. And the only thing that we can stand on, the only thing solid, is the word of God. You find scripture, you read scripture, and most importantly, you believe scripture. You believe what the Bible says. You come at this thing in and with faith. Even if it's just a mustard seed, it's faith and it's solid. The word of God is solid. And so learn what it says, find the scriptures you need, and then stand on it and say them out loud and start praying into them and just release that faith over the situation as you release the scripture over the situation. This is one of those things I think about. It's hard for me to imagine what it would be like to go through life without a pastor. And I meet lots and lots of people who who don't have a pastor in their life. You know, somebody dies and they're like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Or right. somebody's getting married and they're like, hey, you're a pastor. Do you do, you do weddings? And, you know, we, we start treating the church like a, a commodity instead of this this organism that it that it actually is. And, you know, your pastor is an excellent resource for scripture. Mm-hmm. Your pastor will help lead and direct you toward the uh, a very specific and pointed scripture. Of course, you've got, you know, your your own self-help tools. Uh, of course, we got Google. Some of us have a concordance in our library, which is a really good tool to use to to find scripture, but we have to be able to find it. So, I would just say to our listeners, if you don't know scripture, don't berate yourself. Don't don't get down on yourself. Don't beat yourself up about it. Know that if there's a deficiency in your in your study time and in your learning that that you can do something about that. You don't always want to be leaning on your resources. You you want to be self-sufficient. The Bible calls us to a, a higher state of being. It wants us to become spiritually mature, knowing how to rightly divide the word that we would be a good steward and right. not be embarrassed in the time of our testing where where we can actually rightly divide this word. But in the meantime, not everybody can know everything about every situation. I don't always know everything that comes at me. I have to consult with Pastor Tanya or sometimes one of our elders or a mentor. Um, my brothers are really good resources for me. I just don't think you should ever be ashamed if you need to reach out and, and grab some help from somebody who might have a little more spiritual wisdom than you. When we become Christians, we we enlist, right? We just started our journey. We we enlist in this. Now, they don't send you into battle alone. You've got an army surrounding you and fighting with you. It's not um, unacceptable or a bad thing to reach out to your resources. At the same time, we also have to be responsible for our own weapon. So we do need to refine and, and find the time. You know, what's taking your time that you don't have time to study, you know, am I, 
am I not studying because I truly don't have the time or am I, do I truly not have the time because I'm crushing candy on my phone? We have to, to weigh and balance those things in our lives. So while we know or learn and believe the scriptures or, or we turn to our, our resources, most important as we're praying, trust God. Just trust God. He's, he's right there. He's with you. He knows as your heart is being stirred, uh, he's going to guide you and he's going to guide you in, in what to pray and how to pray. He's going to guide you in, in things to maybe say and bring back to your friend who's asking for prayer. Or he's going to guide you in ways that you can approach whoever it is that you're praying for. Trust God and walk out your faith. Walk that out, meaning look for how God's opening doors for you. Look for what God is doing. Look for what God is setting up so that you can make that next move, so that you can go into that next thing to help your friend. We're talking about the necessity of becoming fervent and having fervent prayers, which are effectual. You can learn more by listening to the message, This Little Light. The description is in the link below, and you can always find an archive of our messages on YouTube by typing Strong Tower Casper in the search bar. As always, we want to thank you guys for listening. May the Lord bless you. Pastor Tanya, thank you so much for joining us in the studio, even with your raspy voice. We (laughs) appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. Without your faithful support, we wouldn't be able to do the work that God has called us to. If you know someone who would be blessed by what you just heard, please pass this along. At Strong Tower, we believe that you are a unique expression of God's love and creativity, and we consider it an honor to be a part of your journey. It's a